I'm Jesse. I'm Emily. I'm Amanda. And I'm Toby. On this podcast, we take a look back at pop culture touchstones that influence society. This season, we re-examine the Twilight Saga. This episode, we'll be taking a closer look at the werewolves in Twilight, and what exactly it is about the way that the werewolves are written and presented in Twilight that made it stand apart from so many other franchises. What makes the Twilight werewolves so special or unique? compared to other franchises mm-hmm. and how did this allow for Twilight's popularity and then also the werewolves in Twilight's popularity. Right. Um, so for me, I think that a big part of it, why they became so popular and why women specifically gravitated towards, you know, Team team Jacob and the wolves is because of imprinting. And I think that, like, it's a very... Um, for me, it's a very, mi- a very mixed emotions. Like, ethically, it does not seem right... Because basically you're taking the choice away from somebody, um, from, from both parties actually. The werewolves don't get to decide who they imprint on and the imprintee doesn't get to decide either. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of what adds to the drawl of it is like not having any control in who your soulmate is and like the fact that like for imprinting you're basically guaranteed to be happy. Like they're like this is your person and... Maybe not guaranteed to be happy, but guaranteed to, like, have a fulfilling relationship in whatever way that can right. be. Right, which is and, not necessarily romantic. Yeah, exactly. Know. Like, as some of you may have remembered from the movies and books, a few of them imprint on very young girls. Infants. Children. Jacob imprints yeah. on a, a one-second-old <laughs> baby. Um, Potentially even before she was born. Yeah, we don't know when the imprinting actually... I mean... I no, think we, it fully happened when he saw her, but we don't, you know, it's, there's a gray area. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, we don't it's know. We, we, we weren't reading alive. the book from, from Taylor's, uh, not Taylor's. We weren't reading the book from Jacob's <laughs> yeah. perspective. Right. Definitely totally. not from Taylor's. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that that like plays a big part in why people were team Jacob. Just like the fantasy of like having a soulmate that like nothing you could do could like, rip away their love or rip away their affection for well, you. Well, like, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Emily, because, like, ethically how it can seem like a problem because it's, like, uh, there's no free will in imprinting. But mm-hmm. also it's interesting because that's kind of how, like, verbally some people characterize, like, love in general, right? Like, oh, I didn't, you don't have a choice who you love. But, like, in this case, no, you really don't have a choice. Like, yeah. <laughs> And that's how Bella describes her relationship with Edward, too. She's like, I didn't have a choice. It reminds me of our Bella episode and how we were talking about Bella and Edward's relationship and almost like this idea of choice and like uh, how she doesn't feel like she has a choice or is it her choice that she doesn't have a choice? And like, what's the fantasy? What's part of part of S. Meyer's whole fantasy here, too, is like for some strange reason the idea of not having a choice is part of the whole fantasy for her as well. Like, well, you know, it's like this whole love, mm-hmm. the idea of love is just destined and just happens to you versus like you happening to it kind of. 
Yeah, and like it's like an overpowering sense of like emotion. Yeah, like you're a passive like you can't. Per, you're passive as a mm-hmm. part of the situation. You're not someone that's like actively choosing something. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that in the books, Jacob is framed as the more um, like human life choice. Like even at the end, Bella says like Jacob was what my life should have been, right. which is so strange because like he is also like a mystical creature. Right. Like, they could have just picked a human boy yeah. for her to, like, have, like, another side thing with. Justice for but, Mike. Like, <laughs> Justice for Mike. Justice for Mike. Yeah, I know. No. It could have just been Mike. Like, uh, her and him owning the camping Mike store. Mike was, like, an incel. Know? Like, for sure. Like, we should not be supporting Mike. Or, like, Eric Young or any other, any one of the other boys. There were other boys. Yeah, maybe it's someone from a different school. Like, I don't know. It could have been anybody. Yeah. Um, okay. But it's just funny that, like, that's that's like what she's trying to pair up her relationship with Edward against is like the quote normal life when that is so not a no. normal life. Well, but it, it, like, it that it is actually, the opposite. I was going to say it actually like, this is something that like, I feel like we forget because we're reading the book. We're reading the books through the lens of Bella. Right. And so at the time she comes to forks, there's already this pack of werewolves. However, if the Collins had not been there, then Jacob never would have been a werewolf because the presence yeah. of the colons is what triggers his change. Yeah, you're right. Because, you know what I mean? So it's kind of an interesting, like, mm-hmm. the fact that, like, she could have had a normal life with him, but it, it only if Edward was literally never in the picture at all. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, and also just talking about, like, we should dig a little deeper into this whole episode we're talking about the Twilight werewolves. And Toby mentioned it a little bit at the beginning of the episode, but we should, you know, kind of acknowledge the fact that the Twilight werewolves are not technically werewolves within the Twilight lore. They're just shapeshifters. They shapeshift into wolves. I was reading more about, like, the Twilight werewolves versus shapeshifters type, you know, discussion. And the actual werewolves in Twilight, there were real werewolves. They're, like, the children of the moon. The Quileute tribe, right, that is, like, Jacob Black and his ancestors, they're actually shapeshifters. And the whole thing is, like, his ancestor at one point, like, went into the spirit world and was, like, murdered by another member of his tribe. And so he took refuge in a wolf in the spirit world. And he was like, yo, you know, not verbatim, but he was like, yo, can I, like, hop can we like become one together? <laughs> so he became a wolf. And so that's why, that's why they look like actual wolves, which I guess okay, makes wait, sense. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a Twy hard fan. I don't remember that. Well, okay. My whole, my whole point in mentioning this, you guys, sorry about this huge little tangent and, and brief history of the twilight shapeshifters. Although we shall be referring to them as werewolves. Um, but the Twilight Shapeshifters is because I think part of what makes them so popular in the in the books and in the movies is their connection, the way that Stephanie Myers has kind of grounded this mystical concept of werewolves within um, the Native American like na- nation and culture um, in in the books. You know what I mean? So she's kind of taken an abstract thing and grounded it with something um a little more real uh which is it's like a it's a good thing and a bad thing right 
Because it, it means more representation for the Native Americans, but also... Yeah, I mean, some wires can get crossed when you try yeah. and take something that's very, very real, which yeah. the Quileute Nation is a very real people. They are very real people. It is They reside in a very real place, which is actually, you know, in La Push, Washington. It is La Push. And... Uh, they are a nation of, I was reading, it looks like about 2,000 people from the latest numbers. So, yeah, that obviously, which obviously, you know, I we're all huge fans, but to be honest, until kind of going into more research for this episode, I did not know that. I did not know mm-hmm. that that is a real-ass place with real people being really misrepresented (laughs) like and don't you remember like when the whole twilight thing was like boom was happening like originally like people would go to washington and they would go to la push and it was like a whole thing like weren't some of the um actors that played like some of the werewolves in the film like weren't they actually part of the quill you i don't know i mean i know some i know a few of them were native american but I don't know if any of them actually lived at um, in Washington. I don't think Mr. They Taylor Lautner himself had to lie. He did. He had yeah, to he lie. Did. MTV told him to lie. <laughs> Wait, really? Yes. So, okay, here's the thing. I was like doing some reading on whether he was actually Native American or not. And like in the beginning, he didn't really like claim it or anything. But as they received criticism for it, he started to claim like, I'm like, my mom's like descended from them. Oh my them. God. He, but he's, he, he but, pulled an Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> yes, like I'm 0.02%. But I think like in general, people's response to that is if you're not actually connected to the community, in some way, like whether, you know, your parents are very much part of that community or or whatnot, like saying you're descended is not the same as being from the community. Yeah. I was watching this actors or this writers roundtable and they were talking about representation and and writing. And I just thought it was really interesting how they put it. But ba- basically they were talking about people writing other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were like, listen, we shouldn't regulate who can write what story. That seems like. You know, if you're really drawn to a story and you're passionate about it, you should write it. But with the huge caveat, you know, if you're writing, if you're, if I'm me and I'm a white woman and I want to write about, you know, the story of Green Book, which is like (laughs) about a black man uh, and I don't involve any black men in my creation, that is not okay. So like, I think a big part of this whole issue and really is the main issue is that Stephanie Meyer made the Quileute's a huge part of her book, her franchise, which is, like Amanda said, it's it's good in a way, representation, and, like, it brings awareness. I think a lot of yeah Americans don't think about, or a lot of, you know, I don't even know how to say it, I guess, like, a lot of white people, white Americans yeah. <laughs> don't think about Native Americans and what has happened in America's history. But the thing that she should have done is bring in some people from La Push and show them the books or her manuscripts and say, you know, I want this to be genuine and true to yeah. the tribe. Like, what well, is this? Also, right? I, like, what could I do? Yeah, and I I don't even know if that's the issue, though, either. Like, she could have literally just made them, like, also white. Like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like it was so close to the real thing. And, and by the way, she was very inspired, like, 
by by their history because they do like they have a wolf society and actually the legend goes that the their first people were wolves originally and turned into humans not the other way around and so she kind of obviously you know bended it to fit into her fictional story her fictional version Mm -hmm. of the story which you know is kind of like when I was reading all of this I had to think about it it's like that's like really offensive (laughs) like someone taking something so sacred from your culture and changing it and then like making all this money off of it like I don't know I just I don't I don't as a person if, if I was a part of that culture I just would be a little offended especially since like that's something like you're talking about something very important to a people like their spirituality, their history, how they pass down stories like you're kind of I mean, it's it's the definition of cultural appropriation. Right. And mm-hmm. then like and then you don't give back to the community until much later. Toby, you were saying that she actually did that they end up giving money to the to the to the tribe or. I'm not sure. I saw as of 2010, um, which was, you know, peak twilight time, the Kuyu tribe had not received any sorts of compensation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But is that normal? Like to if I mean, you know, to if you profit heavily off of somebody's whatever uh, or like in this case, it's like a group of people. But like, is that normal in in the film? You can sue for someone. I mean, I mean. Here's the deal. The way I see it, though, is that you can sue somebody for using your likeness, mm-hmm. like just an actual person. If, if you see that someone, for example, if someone wrote a book that was like heavily based on your life and you but they didn't use your name or anything, but it was so closely related and you got no compensation for it whatsoever. And it like kind of was offensive in a way like you could sue them for that because they use your used your likeness with kind of like out, mm-hmm. outside of your permission. So I don't see it any different. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, in this case, it doesn't seem like they sued. It seems like um, Summit or whoever gave them money. I'm just wondering, like, if in other movies it's normal to give a group of people money who are heavily represented in your film. Like, you know what I mean? One thing that I just wanted to mention as far as including the Quillu tribe, not saying that this is a result of any active thing that Stephanie Meyer or anybody you know that was a part of the franchise did for the tribe but obviously because of the popularity of the franchise a lot of people or there was a lot more tourism to the reservations and you know there's people that talk about that and a lot of like a younger crowd visiting the reservations and then also I don't know if you guys know this but because of the increased media attention the tribe was actually able to win back some of their former land I did see um, that, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so while there was obviously like misrepresentations and stereotypes portrayed in the films and the books, you know, they they did get something hmm. because of it too. Yeah, like I was reading this article and it was talking about like, I mean, I've, I've definitely seen mixed reviews. Like I, I read an article in National Geographic where like in 2009 or something when they were talking about it and they interviewed someone from the tribe and he was like, yeah, like he wasn't really, um, he didn't seem that offended, but he was like, they definitely got some stuff yeah. wrong, mm-hmm. but we've experienced a lot of tourism and that's good. Like we've made a lot of money. And um, another one that I was reading went into that too. And they were like, uh, we've 
we're selling Bella and Edward beanies for $25 oh <laughs> or whatever, like, and how they're making profits. So that's. Yeah, good. it's like a very, like, hard line to straddle. And I feel well, like. Well, she seemed like she was pretty close. Like, honestly, from, from like, reading more about, like, the Quileute tribe and, like, their reaction to it. Like, if she would have just gone to them and been like, hey, is this, like. Can I have some input? Like, how accurate is this? I'd like mm-hmm. it to be as accurate as possible, and I want you guys to feel good about it. Like, it's not like she was, like, super far off with, like, the lore yeah. of them. And, like, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like <sighs> she could have just, like, used a different name. She could have used a different name. She could have also just, like... Yeah, she could like used a she, she could have definitely used a different name, and also too like now you're putting like this mystical uh, quality onto a mm-hmm. real group of people, and when the native population and the f- nations of the first people have an issue already dealing with, you know, American government because they don't take them seriously, they're they're the American government barely respects you know current treaties and certain current reservations because they don't take them seriously so you add on this like to a real group of people you add on this label of like mystical creatures like that is Mm -hmm. really fucking disrespectful i don't know yeah but i mean i have a hard time with it because i think you're totally right but then it's also like but did that movie bring awareness to like native american people for like our generation that probably that might not have like humanize them more because well, like we all are taught a lot of stuff in history class obviously like the the american educational system you know glazes over native american abuse and basically like you know all the terrible things um but like i don't know maybe it was just for me but i honestly like didn't really i mean obviously you learn about it in school but it's not like there's like really any native american people mm-hmm. in many movies and TV shows. At least shown in the modern ones. So, like... Yeah. I guess... Right, but then your gaps are being filled by Twilight. Yeah. Like, I guess the difficult thing is, like... No, but I mean, how many Native American uh, representation did you see outside of Twilight when you were 15? Sure, but... Like, I can't think of any. But if your representation is, like, this, this, uh, like, subhuman, aggressive, not as good in comparison to the white character, like, how good it, like, is that representation even helpful? I don't think they're portrayed as subhuman. They're, like, the protectors of all that's the true. humans there. Yeah, but they turn into dogs. Like, they're being, they're, that's, like, uh, dehumanizing them, literally. <laughs> they turn into werewolves. Yeah, but also, that part of it is more tied to the Quileute legends than anything. No, they like, they go like from wo- said, they like, go from wolves to humans, not humans to wolves. So the original legend is humanizing them, not dehumanizing. So okay, them. hypothetical, like because we're talking about what what was done versus like you know it is was it the right thing to do? And I think Jesse somewhere like earlier you mentioned like. Oh, they could have just, like, she could have just made them white. Like, they didn't have to be Native American at all. Do you guys think, right. like, that that would be better? Like, if there was, if everyone in the films were just white? And, like, also, and I'm not, I don't have an answer. I'm just, like, kind of raising the question. And also, do you guys think that, like, if that was the case, and it was the exact same story, or similar, but they were white, and maybe, like, she didn't have that they were, you know, Quileute, but she had the same backstory of, like, the spirit in the werewolf 
is that not also still appropriation? Because that's still kind of, like, belonging to them. Like, that story. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, here's the thing. Like, it was just too close. And, and I get it that it was... Like, and as I was reading, too, I was like, well, you know, they did have the Wolf Society. Like, it was really similar. But it's just like nobody was brought on to really talk about how this would have a lasting effect on the community. And I think that that's what happens when you have non, like you're trying to write somebody's story or whatever, and you're not part of that community. And like mm-hmm. you, you, that can have very real unintended consequences that you actually never thought to think about because right. you're not in that person's shoes. You know, and that's that's irresponsible storytelling at this point, you know, like from what we know now, it's like that's not very responsible. So, yeah, you know, right. hindsight's twenty twenty, but, ugh, you know. Throughout the books, Jacob is portrayed as the the second option for Bella. The Quileute tribe is kind of othered from society. They're off on the reservation. They're not included in like the white society of Forks. They don't even go to school there. It's like weird when Jacob shows Mm, up at school that one day. Um, And one thing that I thought was interesting too was that Jacob's story really comes into play in the books when Bella is seeking out danger. And so there's that weird kind of tie to 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 seeking mm-hmm. somebody that's that's dangerous. And then also, I don't know if you guys remember, but even in the first couple of books, when they were telling the stories of like the Quileutes and the legends, like when Jacob and Bella are walking on the beach, it's it's shown very very scarily and you know sometimes people confuse the vampires Mm -hmm. for for werewolves and that the werewolves are attacking people and so the representation of of the werewolves in twilight are or is dehumanizing and i think that that is kind of back to jesse's point why it was so problematic for the actual community because they're not viewed as as humans Mm -hmm. and i wonder like I guess maybe this is taking it too far, but I wonder, like, I don't know, like, people in the town, like, of Washington, like, who, like, aren't, like, white people in the town, like, if anything happens, like, are they, like, like, in the movies, they're, like, oh, was it the wolves? Was it the werewolves? Like, you just said, like, they blame the wolves on things that sometimes the vampires would be doing. Most of, all the time, I think the vampires were doing like yeah. even Bella's own perspective. I don't know if you guys remember when the first time she saw, she saw one of the wolves, she was like, Oh my God. Like she was so terrified of them, but like was totally fine with the vampires. Yeah. Yeah. She thought they were going to kill yeah. her. Like she was like, Oh, this is how I exactly. I'm gone. Yeah. And it's like this connotation with, uh, but to be uh-huh. fair, if you saw a giant wolf in the forest, she didn't know werewolves existed at the time. For sure. So just to point that out, I would also right, be but it's the in, be it's of a the inter- yes. yeah, but it's the intersection of it tied to him also being a non-white person in the reality in the diegetic world, and also too thinking back like this connotation with, um like just being a hothead and not being able to control your emotions, kind of going back to like emotional versus intellect. I read something very interesting and it was like, you know, it's kind of funny how 
the first time we get a rise out of Jacob, he's trying to start a fight with Mike in the mm-hmm. movie theater, right? And he gets all hot-headed and it's like, whoa, 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 he's about to punch somebody. Then you contrast that with the fact that Edward literally needs blood to sustain right. himself, but he can have all the self-control in the world. Like when Bella literally, mm-hmm. he wants to tear her to bits, but then he can't handle. And werewolves yeah. don't need, they don't need to eat anything. Uh, they don't need to eat people to survive. Like, like you said, like they eat, you know, eggs and muffins or whatever. Like they eat regular um, human food. Right. But the whole, the whole but idea like, is that like he, J- Jacob's like still portrayed as having very little self-control when totally no that's what like I'm, I'm supporting your argument yeah. like it's just so crazy because like edward is like wanting to eat her essentially yeah. like, all the time and jacob's the one who's like mr hothead and like it's not just jacob like that's a trend like that's just how how they say that's just how like werewolves are you know what I mean? It's not like, okay, when you're first becoming a werewolf, which is the instance you're talking about the movie theater, when, like, before he really turns. But, like, that happened to Sam and Emily. Like, he, the whole, like, scratch on her face. Yeah. That happened, like, after he had been a werewolf. Like, it's not like it was, like, in his, like, transition period. Yeah. Is basically what I mean. Like, it, that's just uh, an assumption of their their personalities. Yeah. And, and unfortunately so, if you tie it to other tropes about Native Americans in historical media, there's this idea of the mm-hmm. ignoble savage, ignoble savage, and that also, you know, that's part of the that's part of the trope is that you know they can't yeah. control themselves, that they're hostile, unreasonable. It's very racist. Honestly, you know. I feel like that trope is just like for most non-white people, too. Right. Like, it's not even. Sp- it's it's obviously specifically tied to Native Americans, but I think that it's tied to like many other races for yeah. sure. What's the movie that has you the know? song "Savages, Savages"? Da, na, na. What is that? What movie is that? Pocahontas. <laughs> Pocahontas. There we go. Yeah, that movie is yeah. yeah woof. But it does suck in general that in Twilight they're tied so heavily to aggression and even like the way that they're sexualized and they can't control themselves you guys know, and whatnot. This is a little bit, still talking about the, uh, the like Native American, but like um, one thing I thought was kind of interesting um, was obviously in the books, it's like a big point that only the male descendants of um, the you know, in the tribe, are, or at least it's initially believed that they're the only ones that uh, are able to, you know, transform, shapeshift into werewolves, into wolves or whatever, until Leah is, like, the first one to, um, the first woman, female, to be able to do it. And I'm just, like, curious. I've, like, been trying to research it because I know that a lot of Native American cu- cultures are actually, like, uh, matrilineal, although I'm not sure about, like, the Quileutes, but I don't know. I'm just, like, curious about, like... If that is accurate to the Quileutes, like, or was Stephanie Meyer just trying to, like, use that? That's a really good cue, and I I don't know. And, and to that point, also, too, there are a couple things where, like, even in the context of the book, we do see, interestingly enough, as Jacob starts to become more of a viable option for Bella, he does start to be become more uh, westernized and... Or, Maybe not westernized, but mm-hmm. like more Eurocentric. Because when he 
finally becomes like this he cuts his the hair wolf or whatever like he cuts he cuts his hair he gets right. washboard abs <laughs> like he gets really tall all this stuff it's also i thought this was like such a dumb like <laughs> i feel like the dumbest thing but like when they describe all the werewolves it's like specifically like in their in their wolf form it's like stephanie meyer specifically makes a point to like that Bella notices that Jacob is the biggest wolf. <laughs> he's bigger. Yeah. He's even bigger than Sam, who's like the pack leader. Like he's just the biggest wolf. But like, is yeah. that just is that is that just because you know Jacob was supposed to be the true leader? Uh, and I think oh, yeah, it's maybe. also or is because, it because Jacob is supposed to be the other option. So she's like, let's make this dude the hottest yeah. dude that I can think up. Like teenage girls are gonna want to yes. align themselves. Also, because with this it's guy. from Bella's perspective, is she just distorting her own perception of Jacob, and he's not actually the biggest, but she thinks that he is because Loki, she's kind of in love with ah, him. No. She says he's the biggest wolf. I don't know how that's not like. <laughs> no, I feel like they mention it. You know, in Breaking Dawn, when they go to all their different perspectives, I feel like they that comes up again too, yeah. or something. But. Uh... <laughs> I just think it's such a dumb, like, yeah. like, uh, yeah, I know. It's, and like, also, too, they established this whole lore for in the fictional world is supposed to be so sacred of the imprinting. But then when he finally does imprint, he doesn't imprint within the community, which right. I know that's not a rule, but like he imprints to a half vampire. So and I know we've talked about that before. But also, I'm just like, diggity dang. Like, you know what I mean? Well, isn't like the rule or like, don't they say like, maybe this isn't in the books, actually. So check me if I'm wrong. But I thought it was like you imprint on like who basically you will create, who you'll have like better children with to become wolves. Like the best genes. Like it's genetics. We're going. Do they say that in the books? I don't know. I mean. If if we're going by that, then by like zonky laws, like I don't know that Renesmee's very fertile. I'm just gonna throw it out. I'm just gonna I know throw that's it out what I'm there. saying. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and and also, um, this is an interesting point. She only, well, when they found the other example, he was like, I grew up until I looked like I was like 21, and then I stopped. So does that mean like her window to have? children would be like <laughs> a day until she but stops also, growing. But also isn't that know. convenient it's that one she's day. Keep growing until she looks old enough? Yeah. Like Mentally she's five but her tits say 23. <laughs> oh my god. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, feels I don't know. Jesse's that was saying. <laughs> that might say it. That was actually good. really funny. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Got one. Where have you been, Loka? Say it out loud. Thanks for listening to Reexamine Podcast. Next week, we'll be reexamining the franchise from indie to blockbuster. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on whatever platform you're listening on so you don't miss a beat. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Reexamine Podcast and let us know who your favorite werewolf is. Bye. See you later. Bye. See Catch- you next week. Catch you on episode Bye. seven. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading the prompt. That stays in too. <laughs> <laughs>